It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the, the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Ruff. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are Welcome to the second hour here on the Sports Rush, a Thursday edition. Getting closer to that weekend. Big uh, NFL weekend, if I may say. Kind of go over the teams here in a little bit. And uh, we talked a little bit about IU and the dismal performance at Penn State there just a second ago with Zach from the Indy Star. And unfortunately, we were unable to get Ben Boudreaux on, but they are traveling to Wheeling, West Virginia. And I thought maybe that would be the case today. Uh, try to get the guys in, down there and acclimated. Spend the night in a hotel, get the bus legs out, get a little practice in tomorrow and ready to go tomorrow night. But uh, he was having cell service problems in the hills of probably West Virginia or Ohio, whatever yeah. it was. So, nope, not a problem. And uh, we just adapted just an improviser on here, Adam. That's what we do, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I know it's, uh, and like I said, we're one day away from Friday, big Friday. Of course, we've got the... High school basketball game of the week. Yeah. That will we, be a stream only. Stream only tomorrow on 1380thefan.com, and it will be a double header. We're going to have yeah. both girls and boys basketball for you. It'll be Michael McIntyre on the call for you tomorrow okay. night. And uh, at the post game, uh, don't forget to tune, tune into that. They got the post game scores, uh, you know, yeah. live. They'll be wrapping up all the games from the area live from the Pizza Hut. I believe they'll be at the Northwood Pizza Hut or. I don't want to confirm that without saying it, so I will find out what pe- what what Pizza Hut they will be at tomorrow night. Dude will be there. Dude will be there, and, and we'll find uh, out because he's coming on here. At absolutely, the five thirty five hour to talk a little bit of high school basketball. You know, we'll have his top five girls and top five boys teams that are playing the best ball right now. It's yeah. not really a power rating per se, but kind of his take on the basketball here in the Summit City. And, uh, you know, we had the national championship game for NCAA. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. What a complete. I was going to say, how much of that game did you get through? Well, I like watching offenses like Georgia when they're in sync. Mm -hmm. Because that was one of those things that it did not matter what they ran Monday night offensively. It was going to work. And I've been in some of those games before, calling plays, and it's like, you know, sometimes you get in games, you go, okay, what do we call here? And, you know, everybody's got a, you know, oh, that will never work mentality when you're getting your know-what handed to them. Kind of like what TCU was probably feeling on the other side <laughs> of the of the field. But it was like, close your eyes and pick a play because it was going to work. And uh, 
Todd Monken, the offensive coordinator for Georgia. Him and I go way back. Mac days. Todd and I kind of came up through the Mac together, so I know him pretty well. So congratulations to him on a back-to-back national championship as the OC for Georgia. But I can't wait till they get to the 12 teams. In the playoffs? Yes. I think that'll be very fun. Well, here's the thing. I heard a lot of people the other night, or this week mostly, because you get this lopsided game, but the semifinal games were phenomenal. Probably some of the best semifinal games that we've had in a long while for the right to play for the national championship. Both down to the wire, all that good stuff. Yeah. But the biggest question was, did the committee get it right when it came to putting the four best teams into the into the into the playoffs? And you know, the what they're trying to get to should have should have Alabama been in over a TCU. And you know, the argument there is, can I, can you project Alabama being better than TCU? And there might be some arguments there. I believe, though, TCU only had one loss and Alabama had two. And I was on the NCAA committee for Division Three playoffs, and the first thing you look at is record one and loss. And a, very seldom are you going to put a two-loss team in front of a one-loss team. In any type of playoff type of scenario, as it looks at the the protocol the NCA sets forth for that. But when we get to 12 teams, again, I don't think it's going to eliminate because they're going to say, well, we should be at 16 teams. <laughs> right. <laughs> and next thing you know, it's an NFL season. We're playing 17 games and then I'm trying to play a playoff and uh, everything's gone to the NCA way. But. I do. I am excited to see that. Now that doesn't happen until the twenty four twenty five season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we still got one more year of it just being a fourteenth uh, uh, playoff. And uh, but I tell you, the team that I did watch, I watched the one double A NCA, which was uh, South Dakota State versus North Dakota State. Mm-hmm. And those two are two big rivalries. Yeah. And uh, happy to see South Dakota State finally defeat the Bison. Uh, in a meaningful game, getting their first national championship there, and that was a uh, that was another game that was kind of lopsided as well. Both offenses were just lights out. I mean, just lights out, and it's, it's kind of fun to watch those when they happen because you don't see offenses all too much in sync as Georgia or South Dakota State were the other night. Um, hey, I don't know if you heard this, but we do have some rather. Some coaching news within the area. Uh, Bob Prescott, the head coach at Huntington North High School, he has resigned as the head football coach there. I talked to uh, Jeremy Markham, who was an assistant of mine, because I was quite surprised. You know, they just got the new stadium. Everything seemed to be going in the right direction. But I guess Bob is kind of felt he's taken it the far, as, as far as he thinks he's going to take it and thought it was time to Bring somebody else in. But you were over there for that game, uh, the game that we did over there for Huntington North, and it was, I believe it was, was it South Adams? Mm. Can't remember which game we did over there. I think it was South Adams for some reason. But anyway, you remember that. That's the stadium they did. Is oh, just yeah, phenomenal. they did a great job with the stadium, yeah. Everything there, and they took great care of us when we were there. But sad to see Bob uh, hanging up. Very good, per- very good person. Uh, good football coach. I know that he was dealt with some heavy lifting there at Huntington North trying to rejuvenate a program. But 
hopefully they can get things back on the ground and rolling. And I don't know if you heard this rumor or not, but um, the guy that took over from me at Manchester University football, Nate Jensen, he worked for me. And then when I decided to get out of college football, he was kind of my heir apparent, and he took over. But he resigned the other day at Manchester University to take the defensive coordinator's job at the University of St. Francis under Coach Donnelly. Well, there you go. So, But you know what the rumor is now? What? I'm coming out of retirement. Ooh. Yeah. That was the big rumor was my phone was blowing up yesterday because Nate was leaving and all the people are saying, well, the rumor is on the street that you're going back. And I thought, hmm. I was going to say, do you want to address those rumors live on air here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan? I did talk to the AD yesterday, and I told him. I said, everyone has a price. So I guess if the price is right, who knows? But then, see, then I wouldn't be able to get to to do the Friday night games Mm -hmm. with you Mm -hmm. and Brett. And I think Rumpy would probably not like that too well. And Yeah. You, know, you have to find a new color guy. Another color guy, and so I don't know. We could have a. It could be a good contract dispute coming up pretty soon. <laughs> but anyway, uh, those are kind of some two big uh, coaching news, especially the effects here at the University of St. Francis. They're getting a good coach. Coach Donnelly's getting a good coach with Nate, and I think they'll do great things there. And uh, talk to that first hour, the big win of your Knicks over the Pacers. Yeah, that was a really fun game. It was a kind of a nervous one there for me, being the Knicks fan that I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, got down to a, like a three-point game, and uh, I was a two-point game there in the fourth, and I really thought we were going to blow it there at Madison Square Garden, <laughs> as we're known to so, do. So you were biting your nails in between watching the comic, doing the comic broadcast. Yes, and, and then the the Knicks game, which we definitely almost blew. <laughs> Well, they got the big win. Now, the Pacers are still in seventh in the uh, Eastern Conference, I believe. Yep. Uh, Pacers are now in seventh, and Knicks are up in sixth. Yeah. So they, they did a flip-flop as flip-flop a result. flop in the stats yep. overall. And I think we're all on Pacers' watch and anticipating some type of move to be made. But who knows? Who yeah. Knows? I mean, yeah, ownership might want to build around those three players now, Turner, um, Matherin, and... Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, they might want to try building around those three. Yeah, now. Who, knows? who knows? Who knows with that? I don't know if you saw this. This is big headlines today. Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, has resigned as the Big Ten commissioner to go be the president and CEO of the Chicago Bears. Yeah, that's uh, definitely big news. And I think I could sum it up this way. It's much easier to go worry about one entity like the Chicago Bears than trying to worry about all the different sports that he was involved <laughs> with with the Big Ten. Now, he's brought in, you know, we're bringing in some of that West Coast feel into the Big Ten next year. USC, UCLA coming into the into the fold. Yeah, that's I'm really interested yeah. in seeing how that and, goes. But he's getting an opportunity to go back to the NFL and take over in a very prestigious position as the president CEO of the Chicago Bears. So good luck to Kevin. I think he's done some good things with the Big Ten. Now he will always be known for the for the way the Big Ten kind of handled the COVID era when football and everybody else in the big conferences were playing. And then here's the Big Ten sitting idly on the sideline. That was his first big 
test as the commissioner of the Big Ten, and he finally got it right. But uh, he's moving on. And then uh, I heard that the Denver Broncos interviewed Dave Shaw of Stanford, the head coach that just resigned, yep. which kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, now, if you look at his total work at Stanford, you're probably gonna, not going to find anything better than what he did there, including what Harbaugh did when he was there. So that one kind of surprised me a little bit. Now, he does have NFL experience, um, but I was kind of surprised by that interview. Well, you know, Stanford guys, they're, uh, they're smart. They got oh, the good yeah. minds. They're so. smart. That's right. But, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he interviewed for that job. And then a sad note. Reggie White, the running back from the USC Trojans, mm -hmm. has died at the age of 64. Heisman Trophy winner. Unfortunately, we lost him to cancer. Played in the NFL for nine years, but he still leads the USC's rushing record, 6,245 yards. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. So uh, sad to see that. Uh, he was a dynamic player uh, when he was at USC. Fun to watch. But unfortunately, we lost him too young at the age of 64. But why don't you brighten us up with some of your uh, hot items that you got for us? Yeah, let's do it. Let's jump into this hour's uh, top stories. Well, I know a lot of Pacers fans were uh, concerned as Tyrese Halliburton left the game early last night against the Knicks, and it was reported that he left the game on crutches. Well, this now just coming across the desk. Pacers say that Tyrese Halliburton sprained his left elbow and absorbed a mild left knee bruise and will be reevaluated in two weeks. The team is also awaiting additional opinions on the results of those scans. So uh, not, not the best news there for the Pacers as they were really hot there with Halliburton. Yeah, they can't afford to lose him. No. Because he was on fire. Yes. Right before the first of the year when I was here, when Brett was gone and he had that one night where I can't remember, he had like 40 some odd points. So we'll be hoping that they get good results from those. Um, the outfield dimensions at Comerica Park are changing to be a little bit more hitter-friendly for all our wow. Tigers fans in the area with the center field wall being moved in 10 feet to 412 feet from home plate. The Tigers announced the changes last night. In addition, the outfield wall has been lowered in center field from 8.5 to 7 feet. Wow. In, the, in the right center field from 13 feet to 7, and in the right from 8.5 to 7 feet. So a little bit more hitter-friendly there. Well, for it's all. also defensive-friendly because those are easily enough a uh, chance for def defensive players to go up and take a home run away. And one more for you. Derek Carr essentially said goodbye to the Las Vegas Raiders organization uh, this morning. Raider Nation, it breaks my heart. I didn't get an opportunity to say goodbye in person. We certainly have been on a roller coaster in our nine years together. Derek Carr posted on his social media today. This comes with the news that they're uh, looking to move on from the quarterback there in Las Vegas. And uh, a note to our fearless friends down in Indianapolis with the Colts. No. No Derek Carr. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, people are speculating. You know where I think he might end up? The New York Jets. Good. Yeah, because they've had their troubles as well with quarterbacks as the Indianapolis Colts have had their same trouble. And I know some people probably think, well, why not? I mean, he's got to be better than what we got. And I think the direction of the NFL quarterback is not with the true dropback quarterback anymore. I think it's more of the 
Jalen Hurt type, Tua types. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence bucks the trend a little bit, but yeah. And then a quick note before we go to break, it's um, it's Charles White. Charles, I'm sorry, I said Reggie, didn't I? I apologize. All good. Charles Wright, yes. I was thinking of Reggie White of the Green Bay Packers, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. was a phenomenal player. Charles White from USC. I apologize yeah. for that. I got too caught up in it because, I, was, I mean, I saw that today, and it just it kind of broke my heart because he was such a talented running back. Fun to watch. Yep, definitely figured I should uh, make yes. that correction. Yes, you should have. You should have thrown the phone handle at me <laughs> that's what rump does he throws stuff at me in the booth <laughs> come on brett <laughs> all right well we got a good uh packed uh second hour here we're gonna uh step aside when we come back we're gonna have kevin bowen on from 107.5 the fan to talk a little bit of the indianapolis colts and their head coaching search So when we come back, we'll have Kevin on right here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush here on Thursday afternoon. And going to talk a little bit about the Colts head coaching position. And to do that, we're going to bring in on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline from 107.5 The Fan, Kevin Bowen. Kevin, how are you doing today? Hey, doing good, Shannon. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for you coming on today. I, I wanted to get you on and kind of get some of your insight here as now the season's over for the Colts. We all can now take that giant step back from the ledge <laughs> and and start looking at things uh, as it pertains to Possible head coaching candidates and and uh, some of the things that have uh, transpired here since the end of the season. Uh, get your thought here. What, what did you think of Ballard's presser the other day, where he kind of went through the year? Yeah, you know, in a way, I felt like he started off the interview. Um, not that I was some great student, but I never brought home a GPA of like one point. Three, but I imagine it was like a, a someone bringing home a GPA of 1.3 and apologizing to his parents. Like, <laughs> you're just kind of apologizing for the bad job that we all know that you did. So, you know, I guess he showed some humility up there, um, but ultimately it's going to lead to actions more than words. And, you know, I'll be totally honest with you, Shannon, there are moments up there where I thought to myself, man, it's pretty crazy he's getting another crack at this. You know, because when you have an NFL resume – uh, like he does, with, with no division titles and one playoff win and no young quarterback on the roster to kind of lead your franchise and, and going in this direction, you know, not the other direction where you would be going up maybe at year five into year six. Not many guys, you know, are, are brought back for a seventh year as general manager, but nonetheless he is. Um, I, I think finally he understands that the quarterback plan that they've taken is not the plan that, you know, leads you to the best amount of success. I think you just look at the AFC quarterbacks in the playoffs right now, and the oldest one's 27 years old and Patrick Mahomes. So um, I think factoring all that in, um, I think he's a guy who's looked in the mirror and has thought, you know what, this roster plan that I have had probably not been the right plan. Well, yeah, and I think the other thing there, too, is what's surprising about it from the standpoint, like you said, that he still is in the GM spot is that, uh, maybe Jim Mercy is getting a little soft in his older ages because normally a guy like this 
10 years ago, he would have been pounding sand a long time ago. Yeah, that's that's a good point. You know, I, obviously, financially, <laughs> there's some reason for Jim Irsay to want to keep Chris Ballard. You know, mm-hmm. he's paying Frank Reich through 2026, <laughs> um, and I believe is reported to be $36 million over the course of those four years. Uh, Chris Ballard is also under contract through that same time period, through yeah. 2026. So you're obviously paying him a whole lot. You know, finances, I, I, I'm not going to pretend it out Jim Irsay's checkbook, but I think he can handle a firing of Chris Ballard. But what about the ego? Yeah. So that, that, that would be quite the ego check to admit that, you know, two guys that you extended, you know, what, 16 months ago, 18 months ago. I mean, those are extensions you gave them last August to admit that you were wrong on both of them. Right. We're all, we're all, we're all human beings in this, and we all have egos. So, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I, I'm curious if that's factoring in at all. Well, and he also admitted, openly admitted that that was a mistake to have extended, you know, Frank. And I would assume that you would probably lump Ballard in that same position. But neither here nor there, he's back for next year, and he's going to be involved in this process you know we could sit here and talk about what the Colts are going to need from a player standpoint and that's all going to take care of itself here as we go through the the winter months leading up to the draft but first and foremost uh, you know the head coaching candidates now I've seen a couple things that have that have come out uh recently uh that they've already interviewed Bubba, is it Bubba Ventrone, their special teams uh, coordinator there? Is that a accurate statement? Yeah, so they did that on Wednesday. They actually, um, just a little bit earlier this afternoon, completed their second interview. That was with Gio Avero. He is currently, well, I guess, I, I don't know if I should say currently. He was the defensive coordinator in Denver. They're obviously looking for a new head coach there. So uh, he was on Nathaniel Hackett's staff in Denver. Ironically, he was Nathaniel Hackett's roommate at UC Davis back in their college days. But Averill's got an interesting background. For one, he was born in the United Kingdom. Um, he has coached on the offensive side of the ball under Jim Harbaugh, of all I teams. know. I, I yeah, during his days in San Francisco. Um, and then again, most recently, he won a Super Bowl with the Rams as their DB's coach and then uh, was with Denver last year. Probably the only bright spot that really Denver had last season. So I think if you look at the list so far, you know, there are several other names on the list. Reportedly, interviews coming on Friday with uh, Raheem Morris, uh, Shane Steichen, Ben Johnson. I think the, the Steichen interview is on Saturday. Steichen and Johnson, offensive coordinators for the Eagles and Lions, respectively. Raheem Morris, defensive coordinator, again, with the Rams. So, uncertainty there with the Sean McVay situation. But what you see in all of this so far, they're all young. I mean, that is the one consistent. They are all very young in age. All of them are current coordinators right now in the NFL or war last season. Uh, so that seems to be the early trend on these interviews. Yeah, and I, you know, I, you know, looking at that list, and, and again, you kind of went through there pretty, uh, you know, pretty detailed there with, you know, some of these candidates. And I agree, without, with the exception of Glenn and probably uh, uh, Morris, uh, those two are 50 and 46, respectively. Um, d- does anybody jump off that list at you? Because when I look at this list, I look at this as almost as the di- uh, diversion list to a degree because I just don't see uh, 
you know, anybody really jumping out saying that's the type of guy. Maybe, maybe Glenn from the from the uh, Lions in terms of what they've done defensively this past year, but. I just don't see how you get to where you're at interviewing these guys. And even even Bubba, the special teams coordinator, I know that he took over for Frank on a number of different occasions. But I just don't – this list compared to some of the other lists that I see, I just don't see this being the A team. Yeah, well, it's funny you bring up the word diversion. I don't think I've heard that since I got a speeding ticket back when I was a youngster. <laughs> had to do the diversion program, so thank you for refreshing my memory on that. Uh, it is a list that does not have Sean Payton and Jim Harbaugh on it right now. So yeah, that is probably a good thing to point out. I, I would argue, considering the need at quarterback for the Colts, I don't know if they're in a position to make a trade for Sean Payton, if that would mean giving mm. up you know, the fourth overall pick or something along those lines. Yeah, because he's still you know, on a contract with the Saints. Yeah, he's on a contract for two more years. So, you know, w- w- when you look at it, I do think Raheem Morris is, is an interesting name. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when he took that job in Tampa Bay, he was 32 years old. I don't know about you, but me at 32, uh, that I would be in over my head. And it was a very awkward process. You know, Tampa Bay actually hired coordinators for him. He fired his offensive coordinator in the preseason. He had players that were older than him. I think he would admit that he – he wasn't ready for it. Right. Uh, and that was a long time ago. I mean, that was over a decade ago. Uh, I was talking to an NFL coach the other day. He's been in the league for a couple decades, coaching for a lot of teams. And he said he's never been around a guy that's a better combination of a human and a coach than Raheem Morris. Uh, there's a Gus Bradley connection there. So if you want to keep the same defense, mm-hmm. theoretically, and Dan know, maybe Qu- Gus. And Dan Quinn. He's a Dan Quinn to stay. Yeah, he's been under a lot of guys. Yeah, he was under Dan Quinn's staff in Atlanta. I actually coached a little offense there mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know, Ben Johnson in Detroit is a little interesting because I think something you have to keep in mind with this, how much should the quarterback-centric coach be at play here? You know, I think one of the real blessings of the Peyton Manning era was Tom Moore, the offensive coordinator. He never wanted to leave here. Like, he wanted to stay here, and that kept offensive continuity for Peyton Manning. And that is so important for a young quarterback. Mm -hmm. If you hire Ben Johnson or you hire Shane Steichen, the OC in Philly, your head coach is always going to have that offensive system in place. If you hire a defensive guy and you have good success with the offensive coach, you know, early on, there's a chance, and again, it's a good problem to run into, but there's a chance that that offensive coordinator could get a job somewhere else. And now you're maybe scrambling again to find a new offensive system. So I do think that's something to keep in mind. The more I read about Ben Johnson, the more I talk to some people, I get a little Brad Stevens vibe. But to your point, there's no Peyton, there's no Harbaugh. Outside of those two, though, if you look at the other teams in their list, it's pretty similar to what the Colts have so far. Yes. We'll see how it evolves from here because, again, this is still the first week. Mm-hmm. And right now, you can only interview the candidates on teams that are either not in the playoffs or teams that are on bye week. Right. So if you start to see some teams lose this weekend, maybe some more candidates enter the fray. Yeah, and, you know, going back to, you know, the Ben Johnson, who's, you know, with the Lions, um, you know, he think they finished third in total offense this year, fifth overall in points. They really had a coming out uh, this year in, in, on the latter part of the season and, of course, picked up the big win in, in Green Bay that kept the Packers from going into the pre, uh, to the postseason. Uh, you know, I agree with you. He's an interesting um, guy. 
as uh, you know when you look at it. But I like uh, the Stetson guy at Philadelphia because of what he's done with Jalen Hurts. And this kind of leads into that question: is if you look at the quarterbacks of today, now you 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 pointed to you know they're they're more youthful than they are you know wily veterans. Mm-hmm. But the today quarterback is so much different from the eras of Tom Brady, the true, you know, drop back quarterbacks. You know, those days in pro football are slowly and surely coming to an end in some respects because of what you're seeing at college football. You know, you, you know, Jalen Hurts, you know, you got CJ Stroud that's probably going to be coming out as well. And there's a lot of these quarterbacks, Bryce Young, uh, they don't fit your typical drop back guy no i mean there's there's a run or a leg element to really every modern quarterback and the college game obviously has contributed a whole lot to that and the colts haven't had that i mean i guess carson wentz gave it to you a little bit but but, but they haven't had that and i think it's so vital you know when praise plays break down you know the x's and o's are not going to win every play at some point an athlete's got to be an athlete and i think the colts saw that late in the season Right. You know, even from a guy like Kenny Pickett late in the year or you know, Daniel Jones, not everybody needs to be Lamar Jackson, I'm saying. Right. It's just a little bit of a threat. There's so much for you. And like you laid out there, all these quarterbacks coming out in the draft had that. I, I just think it's another reminder of, again, all these guys 27 or younger, you look at the AFC right now, this is not Rivers, Roethlisberger, Peyton, right. Brady in their 30s. Like, this is the group that you're going to see for a long, long time it's time that you go find one that you hope can be in that group. Right, right. And we'll, you know, we'll keep uh, our ears to the to the radio to listen for the any nuggets that you may drop on us down there in Indianapolis at 107.5 The Fan. But, Kevin, I really appreciate you jumping on here today and getting some of your insight on these early candidates there for the Indianapolis Colts. I'm still biased to... Jim Harbaugh, but that go that shows my age a little bit. Captain, come back, bring him back to Andy, and uh, let's let him roll a little bit. But hey, thanks for jumping on this afternoon, Kevin. You bet. Always enjoy it. Have a good one, Shannon. All right, that's Kevin Bowen from one hundred seven point five, the Fan in Indianapolis. We'll be right back here on the Sports Rush on thirteen eighty, the Fan one hundred point nine FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush here on a Thursday evening. Right after us today, we'll have the high school basketball coaches show at 6 o'clock. And then after that, Purdue-Fort Wayne Mastodon's basketball. Brett Rupp will have the call against IUPUI down from Indianapolis as he's waiting in the wings. But speaking of basketball, let's bring in our friend from Parkview Sports Medicine, Eric Dutekevich. My man, Dude, how you doing, buddy? Coach, how are you? Good to hear from you again. Another time on the show, huh? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, I'm still a free agent out there in the world of employment, <laughs> and uh, so I got to do all these little little jobs every once in a while to 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 put food on the table, Dude. You know, how you know I, what it's like. I, com- I completely <laughs> understand, and and you know what? You're somebody that. I enjoy talking sports with, so no problem here. It's good to, <laughs> good to have you on. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, there was a big basketball game this week, Blackhawk, Christian, and Homestead, and Blackhawk won, but the fashion of which they won was kind of, I guess you could say, a little surprising, right? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, this was a big game that was, uh, you know, being chalked up uh, as one of the, maybe the best game of the year just on paper uh, for, for our area with Blackhawk Christian coming in at number two in Class 2A and then uh, Homestead coming in uh, as a top five team in, in Class uh, 4A. And early on, it was a little nip and tuck, but then, uh, you know, Blackhawk Christian was really able to break it open in the second quarter. They come out with a big 51-27 to 27 win at the new Spartan Arena. Oh, and yeah. So I think I think that that line seeing that you know final score and things like that at the end of the at the end of the night obviously a, a kind of a shocking score the lowest point total uh in the chris johnson era at homestead and, and certainly um just uncharacteristic but you know hats off to the blackhawk christian yeah. i mean phenomenal this is a game team that when you look at it i i put it all together um the average height for the 12 guys on their roster is six foot three I mean, this is a loaded team, a big team, a team that really can, A, they, they schedule the big schools because they have to because they're not in a conference, but, B, they're able to beat them. And, I right. mean, they went up down to that North Davies tournament a few weeks ago over Christmas break, and they were playing top five teams in 2A and 3A and 4A, and uh, they did trip up to North Davies in the championship game in overtime, their long loss of the year. But Blackhawk Christian really can hang with just about anybody and I think they proved that on Tuesday night with, with their big win, blowout win over Homestead. Uh, Homestead still obviously has a lot to play for. This was a non-conference game, but, uh, you know, it, it was a tough night. Kyron Kapowiki just one three-pointer. Um, and, you know, just black, uh, Homestead struggled in that second quarter being outscored 13-2. to Right. Um, and, and Blackhawk Christian just, just solid play. Three guys that averaged double figures for that team, and Kellen Pickett, Josh First, and Gage Sefton. Just a all-around good team. First-year head coach Matt Roth, who takes over for the late Mark Davidson, and, and really they continue to keep things rolling. And, and this is a that, that Blackhawk Christian is a very impressive team, and they're going to look back at that Homestead win later in the season when the postseason rolls around. And this that's a that's a game that. You can star with with whatever happens to this Blackhawk Christian team uh, as the season winds down. If they're back down in Indianapolis, winning a state title, yeah, most definitely. And then this week, the high school uh, game of the week will be on stream only at thirteen eighty the fan dot com. You have Homestead versus Snyder, a boys girl doubleheader, and then they can catch you at the high school post game show live from Pizza Hut at Northwood immediately at the end of that Homestead-Snyder game. But as we always do, whether Mr. Rump is here or not, we have (laughs) your top five for boys and girls. But we'll start with the girls first. So at number five, who do you have this week? Yeah, so we'll start with the girls' teams first. At number five, we find the Homestead Spartans. Sparty. Yeah. Nine straight wins for them. They're 14-2 and two overall now. Uh, wins over Indy North Central, Southside, Lawrence North last week. They continue to keep things rolling. Uh, you know, Maya Epps, the freshman phenom, Maya Epps, uh, first career double-double for the Lady Spartans uh, against Lawrence North with 19 points and 11 points. Uh, PSM performance edge athlete. She's, she's looking really good in her first year. Homestead coming in at number five. A big showdown on the 27th with Northrop. 
that could decide the SAC. Obviously, they have a big game tomorrow night as well against uh, Snyder as our 1380 fan of the game of the week. But Homestead coming in at number five for the girls. Well, let's move ahead after the Sparty. Who's got, who do you have at the number four spot for the girls? Number four, we find Columbia City. The Eagles. Yeah, a big win for the Lady Eagles on their home court against Belmont last Friday night. Uh, two ranked teams going for that NE8 title. They edge out uh, uh, Belmont by just one point to take control of the NE8 race. This is a team that's scoring 66.4 points per game. Only scored 47 against Belmont, but their defense has come up big for them. Uh, Their playmakers, Addison Baker, Kendra Sheets, Molly Sheets, uh, a fantastic showing. They play Huntington North on Saturday. That could be the NE8 championship in that league. Yeah, big one for the Eagles this Saturday. Who do you have at the number three spot for the girls? Yeah, number three, we head down to Jay County. Oh, look, down 27. Yeah, yeah. This team has been good all year. They don't always kind of crack our poll just kind of based off their geography, but they're a team that's in the ACAC going for their third straight ACAC tournament title uh, to, uh, this weekend. They're in the semifinals tomorrow night against South Adams out at Heritage. Up to number four in the Class 3A poll, and congrats to Kirk Comer, their head coach, 401 career wins. He cracked 400 last Friday at Bluffton. A 16-1 team that really looks to make another big push in the Class 3A sectional and beyond. Jay County Lady Patriots coming in at number three. Wow, 400-plus wins. That's amazing. Who do we have at number two on the girls this week? Number two is the Northrop Lady Bruins. They're up to number five in the Class 4A poll with nine straight wins. Just under 70 points a game. That's number two in the state. Uh, they get a big one against South Bend, Washington, the number one overall team in the state and the top scoring team in the state next week. Um, you know, solid wins. They beat Snyder last Friday to really, with that SAC title implications, also dominated Kokomo and, of course, the South Side in their makeup game on Tuesday. They got a big one against Belmont. Uh, tonight, actually, tomorrow they they travel to Northside. Um, Brooklyn Macklemore, a new name for them that's coming out strong. Uh, she's really looking good in the last seven games since returning from injury. But the Northrop Bruins, number two on this week's poll. And sliding into the number one spot for the girls this week, who do you have, dude? Yeah, number one team is the Central Noble Cougars. Lady Cougars. We yeah, we head up to the NECC. They were. Climb to number one in the class two-way poll. They're 18-0 overall, 7-0 in the NECC, looking for another uh, NECC tournament crown. They have just looked dominant all year long. And to say, talk about it, 10 of their wins have been against 3A or 4A schools, a really solid uh, squad at Central Novo under first-year head coach Sam Malcolm, 18-0 under a first-year head coach. Yeah, that's a good top five for girls. Let's head over to the boys here quickly. At the number five spot for the boys, who do you have? Number five, the Carroll Chargers. They cracked the poll this week with three straight wins after three losses. They edged Dwanger last Friday, held off the Calv on Tuesday. They come in at number five. And then uh, number four this week for the boys. Number four, we find the Bishop Lures Knights. 
A big win last Friday night at Eugene Parker Court, upsetting Concordia 49-48 to and snapping a five-game losing streak. Cadell Wallace, 16.5 points per game. Nick Thompson, their lone senior. This is a lure team to watch in the years to come. No question. How about number three in the boys? Number three, the Norwell Knights. They stay at number four in the Class 3A poll with four straight wins after their Noblesville Holiday Tournament loss. Slow and steady wins the race for this Norwell team. Luke McBride, 34 points and 18 rebounds in a big win over Wayne. Wow. They also won at Leo uh, earlier last week. A really solid team. Norwell continues to move right along. And Luke putting up some big numbers. How about number two for the boys? Number two, the Northside Legends. They're back in our poll this week after getting three straight wins. How about this? Brayshawn Bassett, the football player that we talk a lot about, nine three-pointers for 27 points against Canterbury last week. They're averaging 63 points per game. They beat Wayne, beat Huntington North, and Canterbury, and they have a tough, uh, they have a really good schedule down the stretch with some big home games. And the number one boys team for this week? The number one boys team, we talked about it earlier, the Blackhawk Christian Brave. Oh, yeah. That huge win over Homestead, obviously, for them. It'd be Concordia as well. Uh, 67 points per game. They're number two in the class, 2A poll, five straight wins. And, uh, you know, just seven seniors on this 12-man roster. They're a deep team that's going to go far once again. And uh, the sky's the limit for this Blackhawk team. And here they are checking in at number one again. Well, that's the top five for boys and girls from Mr. Eric Dukevich. Remember, 1380 game of the week is Homestead versus Snyder, a doubleheader for boys and girls. Tip-offs at six. And then the postgame show with Dute at the Northwood Pizza Hut. Approximately 9.15, we'll have all the scores and recaps from the area as well as the Summit Athletic Conference. Dute. Good talking to you, man. Take care, Coach. We'll catch you down the road. Eric Dukevich from Parkview Sports Medicine here on 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM. We're going to step aside. We'll catch you back here in a couple minutes. Welcome back to the Sports Rush here on 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM. We're going to wrap things up for a Thursday. But before we get into that, I know you've got an update on the tickets. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations to Matthew, who won the four-pack to the Comets game, and congratulations to Steven, who won the four-pack to the Shrine Circus. Thanks for listening, guys. Hope you have fun at those events. Yeah, Matt and Steven, congratulations on those tickets. I'm sure you'll enjoy it with friends or family. But we want to thank all the guests that we had joining us today, Zach Bowen from 107.5 The Fan. Kevin Bowen. Kevin Bowen. Zach Osterman. There you go. There we go. From the Indy Star, we talked a little bit of Indy, the IU Hoosiers, and Dute Dukevich just came was on with his top five girls and top five boys. Remember, right after this is the High School Coaches Show, then Purdue-Fort Wayne Mastodons basketball, Brett Rump will have the call at 645 from Indianapolis. For Adam Lundy, I'm the coach. Shannon Griffith, we'll see you next Thursday for me, all here on the Sports Rush, 1380, the fan, 100.9 FM.